and thank you for clicking and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One Podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, I'm Jim Dudley. Jim, uh, you, you recently took a trip to Europe, um, and I noticed from your pictures on Facebook uh, that you had a really good time, and you made Great me pr- pretty jealous, actually. Um, but you made some really interesting observations uh, about law enforcement over there as compared to what we look like over here in law enforcement. Uh, let's just cut right to it. What were the differences that you saw? Well, the differences are that most of these countries not only have a local police agency, but also a state agency and then a sort of military layer of police. And it struck me, we talked about this, it struck me that going through the airports, um, full fatigues, berets or helmets, fully automatic weapons, I'm imagining they're fully automatic uh, rifles slung across their chest, uh, hands on the guard, uh, at the ready, mm-hmm. right? And certainly they've had uh, some overt terrorist activity in France and Italy and Spain and Greece. In England. Uh, right? So, yeah. um, but it struck me that in the narrative in the United States, we keep going back to the, quote, militarization of the police in America. And I think that's such a myth and a fallacy. And I wanted to talk about it because the the critics that don't like Urban Shield, the critics that don't like that we have SWAT teams that exercise and try to replicate uh, situations where hostages are taken or they need to assault a building or uh, assault a barricaded suspect, that the critics say, stop being military-like. And yet, they're also the first ones to talk about European uh, uh, treatment of uh, drugs and homelessness and mental health issues. And I'll tell you, in my travels to Italy, Spain, and Portugal, just rub it in some more. No, no, I'm saying they have similar issues yeah. with mentally ill on the streets, with uh, homeless, not so much in some areas because they have a socialist government, they have um, uh, facilities, they have outreach and things like that. But I was really amazed by the graffiti mm-hmm. all over uh, Spain and Portugal. Um, and the 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 sharp contrast between the local police and the mil, quote military police where they do indeed have a military military style police force yeah there's two well there's more than two but there's two main things that I kind of want to hit on the, with this discussion uh, one is the people who criticize quote and fingers in the air again um, militarization of police fail to recognize that there are places in the world where the military is the police right um, and that. Ironically, when we have a, a big riot or situation where, you know, the police are, you know, basically having to respond to large scale mayhem and violence, guess who arrives to contain this stuff? The military, the National Guard gets called. OK, so let's just put a couple of those things on the table or take them off the table, I guess, if you will. Um, what what you'd seen in Europe is a type of law enforcement that is almost universally present that is very military in its in its appearance um but 
there is a reason for that. Uh, they are there to respond to what is potentially a terrorist attack, or, and they, they've had much worse uh, than, you know, they have a giant refugee crisis, and that's how they, some of these folks are getting in. Um, they are at greater risk of situations like that, but that doesn't mean we're not. And we have... And another thing, military entry, we talk about entry to a building or to a room. The military tactics are used because the military tactics are what works. That's been discovered on the battlefield. It's been honed and refined to the points of perfection. So, yeah, you're going to use what works to keep you safe and to have an effective uh, operation, whether that's a warrant service or it's entry into an active shooter uh, in a situation. So, the people who are looking at the law enforcement in the United States saying, well, you shouldn't use the 1033 program to get uh, armored vehicles. Well, they're rescue vehicles, for crying out loud. They're not tanks. They're rescue vehicles. Uh, you know, you shouldn't use the 1033 program to acquire uh, marine units. Well, San Francisco wouldn't have a marine unit without the 1033 program. And I'm sure that that's the case of a lot of agencies. And if you have something happen on the water, there's only one way to get out to it. <laughs> You got to have a marine unit, uh, so it's you know I think that in particular contrast to what you'd seen, I think that a American police are not militarized, and b the military looking and the military style stuff that we have, that what little we do have, it's there for a reason. It's effective and it's what works, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think it was a good thing for uh, President Trump to. Uh, open up the 1033 program to uh, allow military re uh, uh, supplemental resources to local law enforcement agencies to do just what you just talked about, in addition to very expensive uh, anti-sniper rifles and things like that. Yeah. The critics that say no more military-style uh, exercises, no more urban shield type of exercises where... SWAT units train for these uh, scenarios should take a look at some of our recent active shooter incidents, our school shootings, uh, the Orlando incident, the Las Vegas incident. And these are real. And mm -hmm. these are happening. And we need to train law enforcement to respond to these types of critical incidents. And it's not something that you could think up on the spot or uh, right up on the back of a, uh, in the dirt or on the back of a radio you know, car. whiteboard or right on the top of the roof of the yeah, squad car. Yeah, you, you better train for it and consider all possibilities. You know, I've seen uh, air units uh, that uh, either, either fixed wing or rotary aircraft, helicopters and, and anything down to a Cessna 172 uh, being used in search and rescue operations. Uh, there, there, there are so many ways in which this equipment is life-saving and and it, it, it increases public safety rather than decreases, which, which is what they are, they are, the counter argument or, you know, the anti-police argument is, is that it decreases public safety. That's just simply not the case. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely untrue. And, and when I hear it from the politicians, the press and the protesters, you kind of want to tear your hair out, uh, especially again, like when you contrast it with law enforcement agencies and not just in Europe. I mean, there's law enforcement agencies in uh, in the in the Far East, in African countries, in South American countries, Central American countries, where you take a look at the coppers in those places. Say, let's just take Nicaragua for one example. Uh, you know, I think I believe the birthplace of MS-13, if I'm not mistaken. And 
the the cops there not only are wearing helmets, they're wearing baklavas, you know, the the, the face masks, so they they can't be recognized because they don't want to get shot off duty, you know. <laughs> so, the, you know, they're, they're, that is an entirely different look. We don't have that look here, uh, and it's it's important that that distinction be made. Absolutely, right. totally agree. Um, you alluded to the MRAPs as a rescue vehicle in the case of the. Uh, active shooter in Las Vegas. You had people commandeering trucks, throwing people in the back and, and trying to get out. MRAP would be a great uh, vehicle through a hot zone, get your SWAT team there, you're under fire. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're, it's a waiting game. Yeah. And and you've going back to the North Hollywood shootout where several uh, civilians and police had been shot, uh, again, they commandeered armored cars we haven't seen that kind of a situation since the implementation of armored vehicles uh, released to the field. And, and not every agency has them. They're usually a, a, a regional resource right. that's lent out to agencies that need them. And in my opinion, they're good to have. Yeah. And, you know, just to go also to some of the other resources that the uh, 1033 program offers, um, desks office equipment, uh, a variety of things that, you know, in, in an era where um, police budgets, if not shrinking, they're, 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 they're stable, they're, they're not growing. We are not, we're not, we don't have a cost of living increase in law, most law enforcement right. uh, budgets. So you're trying to accomplish more with less. I mean, the demands on law enforcement are to, you know, have better response times and, you know, lower crime and all of these other things. Mm-hmm. When on the other hand, that same public that's demanding all of those results aren't allowing the police to uh, to acquire at a minimal rate or a lower price the equipment that can help them accomplish those goals so right. it's you can't you can't have it both ways right a lot of this uh, equipment is really pricey uh it doesn't always come from 1033 programs sometimes they come from uazi grants or other homeland security grants for uh high priced high end um but but very worthy pieces of equipment like uh, bomb dogs, bomb robots, uh, technology to help in those situations of barricaded suspects or active shooters. Yeah. Tell us what you think. We want to know. Uh, we want to hear from you. Send us an email to policingmatters at police1.com. That's policingmatters at police1.com. Thanks again for listening.